It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show, James Van Car con carne. We are live on Facebook, still in quarantine. Quarantine con carne. Sponsored by C&H Financial Services, as business owners continue to open back up to serve their communities, they're faced with a lot of challenges as they navigate through this new normal brought on by the coronavirus. C&H Financial Services is here to help. They offer a variety of products that range from traditional merchant accounts to a zero-cost payment processing solution, which eliminates the expense associated with accepting Visa, MasterCard, Discover, and American Express as a form of customer payment. To learn more, Contact C&H Financial Services at 855-600, that's for you, Chicago Ronnie, 600-2437 or go to chfs.us. My guest right here, it is the lead singer of Kansas. It is Ronnie Platt. He's a Chicagoan. He's got pipes for days. Thank you for joining me, Ronnie. C&H Financial Services. There it is. (laughs) How are you doing? Hey, I love when advertising works like that. Uh, uh, Hey. Hooks the band right in. Made me write it down. So we, we got you at a really interesting night or on a really interesting night. Today, right, is your six-year anniversary of starting with Kansas, like this exact day. Uh, well, actually, two days ago was my six-year anniversary. Anniversary week. There it is. Anniversary week. There we go. Uh, wow. I can't believe it. It's, it, it. it's so strange. I have two perspectives. It seems like I joined the band six months ago because time has just gone by so quickly. But in in other respects, I feel like I've always been here. You know, I I was, before this thing all happened, I was quickly approaching my 500th show. And wow, you know, it, it, it really is surreal. After six years, it's still surreal to me. And once you join the band, I mean, it's like jumping on a merry-go-round. Like, there's no time to catch your breath. You're touring. You're you're playing these big packages. You're it's oh nonstop. man, uh, let me tell you. Talk about uh, jumping into the deep end. Uh, when I first met with with Phil and Rich, uh, they said, "Yeah, you know, maybe we'll do 55, 65 shows a year." My first full year in Kansas, ninety-eight shows. <laughs> yeah. The next year, ninety-nine. So it, it was really, uh, uh, wow, it's sink or swim. So, <laughs> a, lot, so a lot of fun. So not only is this the anniversary week of you joining the band six years ago, we are on the eve of the release of the 16th Kansas album, The Absolutely. Absence of Presence. Uh, yeah. I want to get to that, but first, let's, let's back up four years. Let's, let's stay on this, this track of you joining the band four years ago. It seems like prior to the release of that album, there was a lot riding on it. It had been 15, 16 years between albums. Beyond the pressure of taking over as a lead singer, it seems like the album had to hit the right tone. It had to, you know, hit your fans the right way, but also sound contemporary and forward thinking. It seems like a lot of, a lot was riding on that. Uh, yeah, you know, to, for Kansas to go, whatever it was, 14, 15, 16 years without releasing any new studio stuff. Uh, it really is amazing. And I think Rich and Phil uh, still had that uh, that 
creative desire. They still needed that outlet uh, creatively. So uh, when Steve announced his retirement and, and I came in and Dave Mannion came in at the same time I did, we, we influxed the band with not only new energy, but uh, a, a new way of thinking, you know. Uh, one of my biggest problems is I never say no. Uh, you know, I think that's it, a Midwestern or that's a Midwestern work be. ethic, isn't it? It, it? it must be. You know, I, I mean, whatever Phil and Rich wanted to do, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I don't think they were uh, used to that kind of enthusiasm. Uh, so, it, 2014, you know, wow, I find myself in the band, and then it, here I think I'm going to be doing, you know, all this classic Kansas stuff. Talk about a band that just has a huge library of music to fall back on. on. Yeah, I'm telling you, you know, it's all right there. What a surprise to me uh, to find out uh, Phil and Rich wanted to do a new studio album, and that was the Prelude Implicit, and do that, and wow, what what a trip. Uh, and then, you know, that comes out and does so well, uh, comes out number 14 on the Billboard Top 200, Really? A band from the 70s comes out that high on Billboard 200? Pretty amazing, you know? And, and I think it was really shortly after that that we immediately started thinking about uh, another album. And, you know, hence the uh, absence of presence coming out tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, staying on the Prelude Implicit just for a second. We I mean, talk about hitting the ground running with the band. Uh, the Voyage of 818 to me is, is one of the standouts on that. I mean, it's yeah. just this big, sprawling prog rock piece. That is, that's Kansas. It, yeah, that's it, just, sure, it sure is. And it's eight minutes and 18 seconds long. <laughs> because of course it is. But I mean, that, that same album, you've got Visibility Zero, which, which totally rocks. Uh, I yeah. also love uh, Crowded Isolation, which is a nice, slow-burning song. But just, just yeah. solid stuff. And if I, if I can be music nerdy for a second, that album, The Absence of Presence, which comes out tomorrow, my God, the production on both albums sounds so fantastic. It is just so big and stellar. Not to get too nerdy or going down that rabbit hole, but... No, and the, on the Prelude Implicit, uh, <laughs> you, you've got two kings in the industry, Jeff Glixman, uh, for one, and uh, Zach Rizvi. Uh, and Zach Rizvi did all the production on The Absence of Presence. While wow, you talk about uh, two guys that have their act I almost said another word. Uh, act together. It's a podcast. Yeah, I mean, R right? Uh, we don't, we don't oh, need I, can, to, I can say shit. We, okay. we don't need a standing <laughs> ceremony, Ronnie. Come on. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, uh, just great production and great producing. And boy, let me tell you, Zach Risby, work ethic like no one I've ever met in my life. When we recorded this album. We were not only were we touring at the same time, but here we're trying to record this album and we were at the studio in Atlanta. We were there every day, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, probably there till six, seven o'clock at night. Zach wouldn't even come to dinner with us on the way back to the hotel. We go right back to the hotel and he would go up in, in his room and he had his computers set up in the room and he would comp 
what we did that day till three, four, five o'clock in the morning and get up and do it again and again and again. Uh, I'm like, Zach, you're my idol. I don't know how you do it. I get it though. Once you're in that mindset, once you're right. in that, that, that right. space, you, you got to see it through. It, I, I totally it, get it. And that was part of it because we were touring at the time and it was just, it was such a level of intensity that you, you can't help but have tunnel vision because you can't, time doesn't allow you to think about anything else. Right. So it, 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 boy, uh, whatever we did, <laughs> it turned out great. We were really happy with the end product. That's for sure. Album number 16 from Kansas, The Absence of Presence. Uh, from what we've heard so far, uh, memories down the line, it's just you and a piano to start. I mean, this is a wonderful, it's, talk about a slow burner, a slow build into what it sounds like Kansas music. You've got the violin, the drums, the guitar. It's a fantastic song. It, it really is. And that's, you know, it's stereotypical of what you get from a Kansas album, and that's diversity. Uh you have a, a song like Throwing Mountains, which is just in your face, heavy rocker. Well, there, are, of, there are multiple layers to that one. It, it, oh, it, has, it, it has a really dramatic build to it. Dynamics all over the place in Throwing Mountains. Just a, a, a really heavy. I know a, a lot of my friends, a lot of people I talk to are, are calling it progressive metal. That's how heavy that song is. Yeah. But, you know, as you go through the album, you have that at one end of the spectrum. And at the other end, you've, you have songs like Memories Down the Line and Never that are really heartfelt ballad type songs, you know, with real deep meaning. Uh, whereas a lot of Kansas songs have that uh, ambiguous, uh, you know, you don't really know, you know, what, what is the lyrics really saying? And the, leaves it to self-interpretation, which is, which is great, but uh, really a wide spectrum and variety of, of music on, on this album and stereotypical for Kansas. Speaking of Kansas lyrics, is it okay if we don't listen to Dust in the Wind until after this pandemic's over? <laughs> no. <laughs> Fair enough. No. Where, where have you not heard Dust in the Wind? <laughs> the, the elevator, the grocery store, <laughs> It just clothing store. You've heard it everywhere. It's just such a heavy song. I just, it, it, it's tough right now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Don't make, don't make me cry. <laughs> exactly. Uh, going back to the new album again, out tomorrow, the absence of presence jets overhead, obvious single it's melodic. Uh, the video is trippy as all get out. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, right. Nice, nice distraction. If you're sheltering at home, you got nowhere to go. Uh, Tune in, drop out Pop a little bit with Kansas. On. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, interesting to say the least, isn't it? I love it. I love it. So how long in, in sum did it take you and the band to put this album together? Probably from the very, very first conception by Zach, probably a year and a half, maybe a little more. Uh, Zach, you know, he comes up with the uh, musical foundations and sends them off to everybody and everybody starts adding their own flavor to it. And uh, Zach will send me a track with the melody on it. And, you know, I'll write lyrics or Tom wrote a lot of lyrics on this album. And each song seems to take on a life of its own. 
and depending on the theme of the song and where we're going with it musically kind of dictates of how we execute it. And how do you challenge yourself vocally? I'm assuming as you tackle some of these songs, you want to push yourself and spread out more. What did you do on this album that might be an example of that? Wow. You know, in the studio, when we're recording this, we were so experimental and doing stuff over and over and over again and just finding that right combination that works. And, you know, you've got, you know, I'm singing parts and then also singing the harmonies, but Billy Greer will be singing the harmonies. And it's trying to find that, that magical blend of me, Billy, Tom, Rags, Zach, you know, if we're all doing vocals, it's trying to find that real sweet spot of mixing everything. And it, and it takes time. And of course, you know, I want to push my boundaries. You know, I, I, always, I always said my singing, uh, I never sing the same thing uh, twice the same. You know, I'm always shooting from the hip and uh, pushing myself, uh, you know, to change things or, you know, thinking on the fly. So I, I do that live a lot, you know, but also in the studio, you know, I'd, I'd be singing something in the studio and, you know, Zach would, you know, come in on the talk back and say, that was great. Keep that. Do that again. And sometimes it's like you did it so unconsciously. It's like, what did I just do? You know, <laughs> play the tape back. <laughs> let me, uh, that, let me hear what of, I just did. You know, that's the beauty of the creative process. That's, yeah. I love it. So it, it's almost a cliche question to bring up now, but it's fair to ask because the album's coming out tomorrow. How do you feel putting out an album in a world where you can't tour behind it? Uh, it's bittersweet. It really is. Uh, Cause we want to give our fans something in lieu of not touring, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it's really disappointing to me. We were supposed to be out with our friends, Europe and foreigner right now. We had a super intense schedule this year uh, with, you know, we were doing the jukebox hero tour with foreigner uh, doing more dates around the States and then also going to Europe. And that's, you know, it's all been put on ice and you know, uh, I'm asked a lot, well, when do you think you're going to be back? And it's out of our control. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if you could answer that? Oh, I would love to answer. I wish I could say tomorrow. I really wish I could, but you know, it's, uh, it's the powers that be that, uh, you know, have things under control and it's out of our hands. For sure. So that's on hold. The album is out. It'll be streamable everywhere tomorrow. As the new kid or a new kid in the band, Kansas started in 1974. Three sextuple platinum albums. There was the turn in the 80s, a more pronounced turn towards Christian rock. The band stopped recording for the beginning of this century Now it's back full swing. There's a lot of history to the band. And I think Kansas means a lot of different things emotionally, spiritually to a lot of different people. How much do you think, or do you consider Kansas's legacy and pop culture tentacles as you make your way through the band? Uh, Well, one thing I can't stress enough, if you're a Kansas fan, and even if you're not a Kansas fan, get the DVD, the documentary miracles out of nowhere. And it, it tells the story of how the band got started in Topeka, Kansas. And t- talk about 
six guys with such insane talent being as far away from the music business as they possibly could. What the, what the heck was in Topeka, Kansas in 1972, 73, 74? I, I, I don't see too many music scouts, <laughs> you know, right. hopping on a plane and going to Topeka, Kansas, you know. Uh, but, but it really is a great story uh, uh, of how the band got started. And it's really just one segment of Kansas because, you know, through personnel changes and uh, genre changes mm-hmm. in the music industry, you know, like, you know, the hair. I am a self-admitted prog snob. Uh, I've always been a prog rocker. Uh, always a huge Kansas fan. I loved Yes. I loved Genesis. I loved Rush. And I kind of like didn't pay too much attention to the hair band era. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in hindsight, you know, they all did great things. You can't argue with success, you know. And, you know, but then the grudge thing, the grunge thing came along. Still didn't grab my attention. And it's, it's funny, you know, uh, when I grew up, I think about how radio was uh, when I was a kid and <laughs> living in Chicago and listening to WLS, WCFL. I'm sure you know those stations. Absolutely. And, and back then when I was a kid, it was so wild. You would... You would hear a Rolling Stones song, and then you would hear a Jackson 5 song, and then you would hear a Carpenter song, you know? And I'm really thankful for hearing radio back then because it gave me such a wide variety, such a wide spectrum and understanding of music. Whereas today when you listen to the radio or you go into, you know, like... uh, satellite radio everything is so streamlined and you're not exposing yourself to other things Uh, i I, i'm going to go down this rabbit hole with you ronnie i I think one of the biggest challenges for music consumers now is that there aren't enough obvious curators i mean the era you're talking about growing up listening to music everyone kind of listened to all the same thing we i heard point of no return on wls for the first time and carry on wayward son people are getting their music and information from so many different sources, it's hard to have that kind of consensus. It's hard to kind of tap into that anymore because there aren't enough curators. I mean, music is curated digitally. I've got recommendation engines on Spotify and my Google Music. And I I think that's a missing piece right now. Just to kind of- uh, I agree. I I agree. So, you know, uh, reverting back to you know the band in the in the 70s and stuff uh it, it just made such an impression on me and i was a prog rocker continually through all this time and you know the the stages that kansas has gone through you know their heyday in the 70s and carrying that on into the 80s uh, Bill, billy greer this, refers, this, album, this album did okay right, it did okay hey <laughs> you know what uh uh, hold on has kind of become my signature song you know so but uh in the 90s billy refers to that as the dark ages <laughs> <laughs> you know tough times for the band but uh, uh you gotta really hand it to phil and rich because they they stuck it out and they wanted to keep kansas going and thank god they did well any band around as long as kansas is going to have 
a dark period or two. Right. Absolutely. I mean, the, the band's lived a couple lifetimes already. I mean, it, yeah. There are going to be incredibly high peaks and some some valleys along the way. James, the band is knocking on the door of a half a century. It's amazing. That, I mean, so it, that it begs is. the question: Do you remember when you first heard Kansas? Carry on, Wayward Son on the radio. Uh, I mean, p- probably hanging out at my buddy's house, uh, and. God, what what would I have been uh, freshman year of high school or sophomore year of high school? Listening to this, L- listening to that, and <laughs> and going and buying that album. I didn't even own a turntable. My my sister had the old Panasonic eight track radio tuner and turntable all in one. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, all in one, and you know. Uh, how she let me in her room to <laughs> abuse her stereo system. And, you know, I probably listened to that album over and over a, a million times. A and million I, times. you singing that album has been committed to audio tape. I mean, it just, what a great, what a great job you've done with it, with the, the classic music as well as this new stuff. Yeah. Thanks. You know, uh, doing uh, the 40th anniversary of left overture, uh, another story for you when, uh, I know when Phil and Keith, Keith, our, our agent, uh, when they talked about, Hey, you know, maybe we could play the entire album. Let's see, you know, what, what kind of market it goes over in. And they thought, you know, maybe we'll do, uh, 12 shows, 14 shows, maybe 15 shows, uh, for the 40th anniversary left overture. Yeah, ended up being over 80 shows. And now doing the same thing with Point of No Return, since that's in 40th anniversary, or (laughs) we should say probably 42nd anniversary by (laughs) now, uh, we have long surpassed the Left Overture mark. Mm -hmm. And and when we come back, we're still going to be doing that show. It's amazing. 40th anniversary of Point of No Return. On behalf of all music fans, I want to say yes to album plays love the album plays because yes. it's stuff that we fans never get to hear live and never have heard live before it's those deep cuts right and that's another thing i'm guilty of i'm a deep cut guy you know i love the stuff they play on the radio but i love the stuff they don't play on the radio yeah. even more and i've always because growing up that's the test of your fandom right being able to like right. talk with your friends about it oh yeah you like that song what about this song Oh, you haven't heard right. that yet? Exactly. Hang on. Give me four minutes. We're going to listen to that. That's yeah. the best. That's fandom. Or, or being a musician and hanging out with your musician's buddies, you know, you'd be like, hey, man, I figured this part out. You know, do you know this song? You know, and totally. one led so, into another. You mentioned Foreigner earlier. Did you audition for Foreigner? I did. Uh how ironic I started a cover band back in 2004 and <laughs> we did a set of Bon Jovi, a set of Journey and a set of Foreigner. And my bass player who was running our website at the time, he calls me up one day and he says, Hey, this guy has contacted me a couple times. He wants to know if you'd be interested in doing some commercial work. So I, I finally told him I would, you know, give him his, give you his number so I'm like, yeah, hey, you know what? I like to eat. Exactly. You know? Work is work. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, earning money is not a bad thing. 
long story short, I'm on the phone with Jeff Jacobs one day, who I did not know was the keyboard player at the time. And, and, he's, and he says, Ronnie, I got a level with you. I'm, I'm the keyboard player for Foreigner and we're looking for a new lead singer. And this is like the day before, it, he had a studio right at Grand in Halstead. I, I don't know if he's there anymore. Uh, I haven't talked to him in years, but here I, I go to his studio and I, honestly, I was kind of skeptical because, sure. you know, good God, I mean, I, I've been singing around Chicago. Pro, pro, I think I probably did my first bar gig in like 1980. Uh, you know, so I've been around for a while and, you know, you you kind of get thick skinned to people sure. that talk, talk a lot of bull, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I really was skeptical, but then I walk into Jeff's studio and here is this big plaque on the wall <laughs> with a platinum album on it that says, thank you to Jeff Jacobs from Billy Joel for, <laughs> for you know, assisting keyboard playing on one of Billy Joel's album. And it like, I'm like, this is the real deal. Oh, yeah. And uh, I did the song Urgent. Mm-hmm. He had me he had me do urgent and it was so funny. Uh, my buddy Dan came with me. Actually, we drove down together and I'm in the studio room and I could see uh, Dan and Jeff Jacobs in the control room. And I sing like the first verse of urgent. And I'm like, I see Jeff turn around to Dan and I go, Holy shit, this guy can sing, you know? And I did that song and came out of the the recording room and he goes, do you know any other foreigner songs? And I'm like, name it, <laughs> do name I? it. So, yeah. So I ended up like singing 15, 20 seconds of, you know, feels like the first time long, long way from home. And at that time, I think Mick McJones had already committed to Kelly. Uh, and at the time, you know, on my resume, all it said was cover band singer from Chicago. Right. Uh, Kelly Kelly was an assigned band that, that had some modest sales. Uh, Kelly was the pro guy to go right. to. So uh, I, I really didn't put a lot of weight in getting that job. But uh, I really can't complain with how things no, turned and, out. You know? <laughs> this is a, a classic example of things happen for a reason. I mean, if you believe right. that, I mean, and, here we are. Yeah. And you know what? In, in this business... You have to be thick-skinned. Oh, my God. You, you have to uh, take rejection and use it in a positive way. Or find the positive in that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it didn't work out with Foreigner, but here's what I learned from that experience. Here's right. what I can so, take into my next experience. Yeah, but before that, uh, actually going back a, a few more years, I had an opportunity to become the lead singer of Survivor. And I got so excited about that. I mean, and it's like I jumped in head first and got so excited. And when it didn't, didn't come to fruition for me, uh, I really got disappointed. And so that kind of tempered me for things in the future that, you know what, I'm going to try and re- reach for that brass ring. But if I don't get it, I, I can't let it you know, affect me that much because that's part of this business 
it, you know, there, there's only, there's a million musicians wanting one position. Right. And, and it's, it's a tough, tough business, but, uh, wow. You know, a, a couple years later, mutual friend here in Chicago, uh, John Shank, John, how are you? If you're listening out there, Hey Ronnie, uh, I have a mutual friend. Have you ever heard of the band shooting star? And I'm like, <laughs> had the album hang on for your life, played it to death. I was going to say shooting star has always done well in Chicago. It, I, I mean, last always. chance Hollywood. I mean, those were all radio songs. Absolutely. I, I remember Chicago radio played the heck out of shooting star. I remember hearing flesh and blood. I remember mm -hmm. hearing last chance breakout. Yeah. Hang on for your life. These were all tunes that were on Chicago radio and made me go out and get the album. For sure. So, so 2007 to 2011, I find myself the lead singer of Shooting Star. The ironic thing is, now I'm the lead singer of Kansas. How does a guy from Chicago end up in not one but two bands from Kansas that have <laughs> violin players? It's really, I mean, it's, what it's are typecasting. The odds? It's totally right, typecasting right. at this point. Right. <laughs> it's like De Niro I'll take and typecasting. It's like De Niro or Pesci in a mob movie. That's just the, right. the way <laughs> right. it's going to be for, the, for you for the rest of your musical career. So, hey, where did you, you grow up in Chicago? Talking to me? Uh, <laughs> where did you grow up in Chicago? I grew up in the town of Bellwood, uh, not one of the bigger towns, but surrounding towns are like uh, Westchester, Hillside, Melrose Park, mm -hmm. straight west on the Eisenhower, straight west of the city. Uh, and that's where I grew up. And my mother still lives in Westchester today. Uh, bought the house in Westchester in 1982, which I probably lived there for about a year, then moved out. Uh, and my mom's still there, and now I live in Lombard. Oh, you do? That's yeah. amazing. I just assumed you'd, I don't know, leave Chicago for, for somewhere Every, else. Everybody thinks that. Uh, you know, when I'm out and about, hey, where are you living now? Uh, same place I've lived for the last mm, 20 years, Lombard. <laughs> really? They've got a half-price books over there. They've got everything out it's there. It's the Lilac Village. Come it's on. The, it's the Lilac <laughs> Village. So, so tell me, tell me about your Chicagoness. What do you love about being from this area? You know, it's something that I wanted to ask you and, and being around the country and halfway around the world now, uh, boy, when you think of Chicago, you think of the best food in the world. And I, I got to ask you, have you ever been to my favorite place in the world? Chicago pizza and oven grinders. Oh, of course. Yeah, 2121 North Clark. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that is old school. Absolutely. Uh, been going there since 1987. <laughs> nice. Uh, one of my favorite places in the world. But of course, Chicago, you, you know, the food and just the Chicago skyline, Navy Pier, which I played on Navy Pier, oh my God, 50 times at least. You know, it's just such a beautiful city, beautiful skyline, uh, a lake that looks like an ocean. And th there's some there's some really beautiful places in this country. And I, I put Chicago up there in the top 10. There's something to be said for being away from this area for a while, be it you know, on tour, on vacation, whatever. And if you're driving back or just you know, getting out of Midway or O'Hare and hitting the highway and catching a glimpse of the skyline for the first time in days or weeks. It is 
breathtaking. As cheesy as it sounds, it really, you realize what a muscular, powerful, impressive city this is. And it really is, Yeah, there's a visceral thrill, I think, to, to glimpsing the skyline after being away from it for a little while. Yeah, you know, one of the best views is when you're on, out on one of those dinner boats or tour boats for that sure. goes out, you know, maybe a half mile or mile beyond Navy Pier. And it's, it's nighttime and you're looking back at the Chicago skyline it's really breathtaking. It's it's a scene that you're not going to see anywhere else. So again, the new album, The Absence of Presence, the new Kansas album, the 16th, is out tomorrow. Tomorrow. So we can listen to it then. Before I let you go, Ronnie, I know you've done the seventh inning stretch at the Cubs. You did a whole lot of stuff at a Cubs game, right? You did uh, throwing out the first anthem. pitch twice. Perfect strikes, might I add. You know, did, you practiced now, before then, didn't you? Uh, are you kidding? Of course I did. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to <laughs> you, blow that. You, you're going to want, I, I got to tell you that story quick of when I, the first time JR, our manager called me and said, how's your throwing arm? I'm like, <laughs> what, what are you talking about? And he goes, uh, I talked to the Cubs front office. You want to throw out the first pitch? I'm like, hell yeah. You know, a week later he goes, Hey, you're singing the seventh inning stretch. And I'm like, take me out to the ball game piece of cake I know it and for about I knew about a month in advance at least maybe a month and a half and I'm telling my friends yeah I'm singing take me out to the ball game at the Cubs game you got to come out you got to come out and they're like wow that's really cool are you nervous and I'm like now nah, I'm not nervous now if I was singing the national anthem I'd be crapping in my pants <laughs> James that morning the morning I'm going to Wrigley Field. JR calls me and said the Cubs front office called him. The girl that was singing the national anthem couldn't make it. Could I please do it? Am I going to say no? Of course not. But I was, oh my God, talking about better adrenaline through the roof. And it was so wild to walk out there. <laughs> Sure. And I, I end the very, oh, say, can you see? And in that breath, I hear nothing. I hear no one clapping, no one talking. The only thing I hear are the flags out in the outfield. It was absolutely wild. And, and I'd love to do it again, Cubs front office. <laughs> I, I'm sure it was almost better that you didn't have time to prepare. It's one of those things like if yes. you're doing something scary or intimidating, oh my just God. let me do it. The I don't want to think about it. Yes. Killed me. Mm -hmm. The anxiety would have killed me. It, it's like, you know, 40,000 of your closest friends being totally silent. It, it's like riding a roller coaster. I would ride them more often if I could just start at the top of the roller coaster. Right. It's that climb up where you're kind of looking <laughs> down. <and> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> If you could just drop Mommy! me at the top, that'd be great. Right. <laughs> Same type of thing. All right. Again, the new album, The Absence of Presence, the Absence new one from presence. Kansas. Thank you for putting out music in this time of quarantine when we are starved for new music, when we're starved for new Kansas music. Uh, it's awesome stuff. I, I, I'm, I'm glad you guys are doing what you're doing. Uh, truly a pleasure to meet you. And uh, Same here. Same here. And, and thank you so much for having me on. The band is so excited about this album out tomorrow folks go grab it. It, it it is just total love to the ears 
is what this <laughs> what this album is. Uh, the absence of presence. Please pick it up and please. Uh, all my friends here in Chicagoland and everywhere, visit me on Facebook and also visit KansasBand.com.